Hey, welcome in. It's on Anchor Boston, the podcast. Merry Christmas. It's the 27th of December. Hank Morse, Mike Lynch, Bob Lobel, Butch Stearns. Hope everybody had a, a great Hanukkah, a Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. I hope it was great. I hope you did with friends and family. And we're brought to you by Our Best Foods and Our Best Meatballs, Cold Springs RV up in Ware, New Hampshire, and, of course, the great George Gray's Lexington Toyota. Hi, guys. Hi, Hank. Howdy, howdy. Ho, ho, ho. Still in the playoffs. Yep. <laughs> July 4th, still in the playoffs. <laughs> Let's start here. If you really think about it, I think this is a legitimate question. Do you want the Patriots to make the playoffs or not? Yes. I Why? do. To watch it. I understand that. I guess I guess I know exactly. Anything can happen in the playoffs. Anything can happen. But I guess I'm asking about the future of the team. Is it better for the future of the team that they make the playoffs and Belichick gets to say, hey, same record as last year. We, you know, we're, we're right there where we were. Well, how do you, you want us to look at it, Butch? Do you want us to look at it as a fan or as a sportscaster or as just an uninterested person? Because if you make the playoffs, that's one more game of importance. So that's one more game that's more that has everybody's interest for one more week. I mean, that's the genius of the NFL, isn't it? How many teams still have a shot at making the playoffs? Yeah. And here we are two weeks from the end of the season. Pure genius. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I fully agree with you. But let me go back to your point about being a critical eye or being a fan. What's the difference in Boston? Aren't fans more critical than anybody else? They're no different than us that are broadcasting or covering the teams in that regard. So I'm just saying, I agree with you. I agree with you guys. I would love to see another game. It's another week. It's a meaningful game. A guy like Mac Jones needs it. See what happens. We learn stuff about guys when they play in big games. But what? So Mac Jones can throw another dirty block? <laughs> we'll get to that. But I just don't want find. I don't want some false sense of titanicism in Foxborough that remain calm. Everything is well. We made the playoffs two years in a row. This team stinks. The odd thing about the genius that you mentioned of the NFL is the fact that it's mediocrity that's causing that genius, right? I mean, teams that are seven and eight are still in the hunt. You get a a below 500 team that's still leading a division, right? Heading into the last two games. Parity or mediocrity? Uh, Probably a little bit of both. There are some bad teams. You're a genius. You have so many teams that can yeah. still make it. There's uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 teams in each uh, conference. That's almost half half the field. That's under 500? Yeah. So the difference between parity and mediocrity to me is the quarterback play. When the Giants beat the Patriots in 2007 – they were one of those parody teams, but got hot going into the playoffs. But they had a decent quarterback and a great defense. How many decent quarterbacks are there in the NFL now? Less than a third, I think. How'd you like to be in Denver or Cleveland? <laughs> I'd rather be in Cleveland, I'll tell you that much. Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson? Are you telling me you'd rather be in Cleveland? I would re- definitely rather be in Cleveland. Chet Curtis had a great line about Cleveland. He said, it's not the end of the world. 
but you certainly can see it from there. <laughs> <laughs> and who knew we'd be celebrating Baker Mayfield after Christmas? Yeah, I like Baker Mayfield. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about him that I like. But I, I just sort of like. You him. want him here? To, maybe he can come here next year. He is a likable guy, Mike. He is. He's not, yeah. a, he's not a dirty player. <laughs> All right, let's get to it, Bob. Come on, go ahead, go off. I mean, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? So is Mac, I guess the question then becomes this. Is Mac, there's two schools of thought about Mac, that he may be the guy and we got to give him more time and he's a winner that has intangibles. I think the other school of thought is he stinks and he's on top of that, he's a tennis brat from a me generation who just is a sore loser in a bad way, even though Brady was a sore loser, but let's not go there. Brady's self-admittedly a sore loser. So where, where are you on the Mac thing? Are you on the tennis brat sore loser thing? Not good enough? Are you addressing that to anybody in particular? Well, you in particular, because you brought it up. I brought it up a couple of times because I think it's the most important story of the week. Okay. Well, we got to it. Sorry. We're late. You know, we're still digesting our eggnog over here. Just saying. I'm just saying it's something that has reared its ugly head and came out of nowhere. But then again, now that it's come up that Mac Jones is a dirty player, it's like cheating in golf. Once you're labeled with that uh, label, once you've got that paintbrush on you, you can't get it off of you. You're either, you know, if you cheat once in golf, you always cheat in golf. So you see, it's the same thing. And if you're a dirty player, that's how you're known. I'm just quite a dirty player. I just have seen some video that show that has, seems to indicate that he's done some things that are questionable. If you're a dirty, effective player like Rodney Harrison was, you know, we loved him when he was our Rodney, right? He's a dirty player. Mac Jones, mediocre, mouthing off. His own coach used to call him what? John McEnroe. So well, Brian, Clark, Brian Clark on ESPN, who Brady tortured when he was with the Steelers, who I believe actually is becoming one of the best analysts. He's phenomenal now. But anyway, he said yesterday, I don't know if you heard it, he said, Mac Jones is the Grayson Allen of the NFL. <laughs> the former Duke player who's with the – is he still with the Bucks? I think he's with the yeah. Bucks. But yeah. like the most hated – the Danny Ainge from years ago, right, Mike? Yep. Um. His, his, staying on the on the on the Mac Jones theme, would you would you be open to trading him in this offseason? Yep. No, yep. Why not? Jared Goff for what's his name trade? Baker Mayfield. Well, there's two huge questions to that. If you're willing to trade him, who's your quarterback? That's the biggest question. And what are you getting for him? You might get one that's uh, sort of like the like the Lions and the Rams trade. Uh, have really benefited both teams. Um, you know, is is there a quarterback out there that that's struggling in his city uh, that might flourish here in Foxborough and vice versa? Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Deshaun Watson. <laughs> no, I'd take Russell Wilson. I wouldn't take Deshaun Watson. Well, oh my God, you'd take Russell Wilson at I would. I would. We thirty-six million a year or whatever it is. Over yep, eight I would. Years? Oh my God. You guys are avoiding the question. What yes, is he is a dirty player. He is a dirty player. Is he a dirty player? 
Uh, his actions, yes. <laughs> He's had what three three instances? He one last year, one the other day, and then there was a third one I think uh, that he was accused of. I wish well, he was dirty when Chandler Jones. The video, the video Bob's talking about has four or five of them on there. It has two from last week. Not only the egregious play that he's getting fined over eleven thousand for on Eli Apple, but after Ramondre Stevenson's fumble, after the whistle had blown, he dove on a guy and got an unsportsmanlike conduct. And that's his the, that's the his, that's the one Butch I wanted you to bring up because no one has seen it. Well. Actually, we had, you know how it is when you send your own photographer. Our guy, Walt McGraw, was over in that corner and the TV cameras didn't catch it. And he literally speared the guy on the ground after the whistle. And his claim after the game was you played all the whistle and the ball was still, there was a chance we could get the ball or something like that. How can I see that video, Bush? I'll try to clip it off when I get in today and send it to you. It definitely doesn't. It definitely doesn't hurt your argument when you see the video. Everybody's standing around, and he goes at the guy. And then on the video, you're I'm not making an argument for it. I just saw the block down. What was behind the play? That's all I saw. The block that was ten yards behind the play that was totally unnecessary. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm play. just addressing Mike's point of it's three. It's more than three. He's got several times where he slid, and his foot goes up in the air. Now people argue for and against that because. Joe Burrow did the same thing in the game last week. And many quarterbacks, when they slide, do bring their feet up in the air because they don't want their spikes to get caught and hurt their knees. So is that a dirty play? And then, no. he, had, and then he had the one last year in the Carolina game. I forget the linebacker's name. Remember where he grabbed his grabbed his yeah. ankle and, and the linebacker didn't expect it and he could have easily, you know, ripped his knee up. I mean, that was a WWE move, the nice ankle twist. Yeah. I mean, seriously, seriously, let's be honest. Brady did all these things. He did all these things. The difference is he won when the games were huge every time. I mean, come on. Brady Brady was the sorest loser there is out there, and he admits it. You know, you know um, I, I don't know what it is about this about Mac Jones, but like when he gets the ball with two minutes to go, I, I hope he's going to win as opposed to I know he's going to win. That's fair. And that, I think that's the um, – and he's, he's not in my top ten quarterbacks and guys that I would want on the field to pull a game out in the final two minutes. So, Mike, are you saying that you think that's what he is? You think that's his makeup or yeah. that you just haven't seen it enough yet? I think it's his makeup. I, I, I've never seen a quarterback get down so quickly under pressure from defensive uh, – from on, uh, Tony, Eason, Tony Eason was a rabbit hole. No, I'm telling you, he makes Tony Eason and Drew Bledsoe look like Fran Tarkenton and Roger Staubach. This guy goes down. If you lay a finger on him, and he he just, he just caves. It's it's unbelievable. I I, I you know I, I think that the smartest thing they, they they could do this offseason if they keep uh, Mac Jones is get Bill O'Brien, who was his offensive coordinator at Alabama, get him back to Foxborough and let him work with Mac Jones. Let him call Mac Jones plays. That's the only thing that's going to help this kid. So, Bob, I'll answer your question about trading him. I think Mike just did. I don't do it this offseason for just that. I think it's an unwritten book yet. I'm not all the way where Mike is that that's who he is. I don't know who he is yet. And I think not in fairness. I don't give a damn about fairness. I want them to win. Because he's under another year of a rookie contract, I think your best bet 
is to get an offensive coordinator, give him another year, and see if it is him or not. I don't know. That's my take. So you think if Josh McDaniels was still here, we wouldn't have seen this regression that we've seen? Well, I would have liked to have seen what the hell would have going to happen, Hank. I mean, can't we argue easily that it worked with Josh McDaniels last year? He had one of the best seasons a rookie quarterback's ever had in the NFL. He really did, statistically and everything else. Yeah, and they man- they well, they managed him and it worked. This year, it seemingly they tried to manage him and it didn't work. So I'm wondering where the disconnect is. And it, Bill, you guys, Bill Simmons fans, on the Ringer podcast, he said, this is the least effective New England Patriots coaching staff since Pete Carroll was here. Made the playoffs for years. I know Pete. I was just going to say Pete was a lot better than this coaching staff. <laughs> I mean, he did take over a team that went to the Super Bowl, but in some arguments, he didn't screw it up. So why don't we just fire the head coach and get rid of the quarterback? No, that's another hole. Rabbit <laughs> hole. Hey, Bob, did you get your dinner last week? I'm sorry, wait, what was that? Did I what? Did you get your, did you, did you get your dinner last week? But that those who missed the show oh, last right, week. Right, did I come in? No, I didn't. I left. I told you I was leaving that day. And then the woman wanted to come in and wash you or bathe you? That's true. No, I, I missed that one, too. Well, wow. no, two women wanted to come in and wash <coughs> you or bathe you. Yeah, Let's twice. Go. I don't see anybody hanging outside today. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, this podcast is going in a different direction Butch, right hold now. On a Wait a minute. Come on. Let's go. Butch, I just want to – you said Brady was a sore, a sore loser, but that didn't make him a dirty player. I don't ever remember Tom Brady being accused of being a dirty player. Oh, he he, he tried to trip guys numerous times. Let's be honest. He did. When? Really? He did. Right, when? Mike? I don't know. I, I, I don't recall. I mean. Oh, he. I, I, well, he got fined this year for kicking a guy. Right. But he wasn't spearing anybody in the head with his helmet. He wasn't twisting ankles. He might be a sore loser and might be unsportsmanlike. Oh, no, I'd go right to that downfield block that was four, that was 10 yards behind the play. That right, is, that he just got fined $11,000 for by the league. That's a dirty play. Because he dove at his knees, below his knees. Well, Butch, why are you throwing up your hands like that? Uh, because I'm trying to remember, and I do remember just in my – few brain cells I have left that there were numerous times where Brady threw a pick or a fumble return and stuck his leg up and they showed replays and they just poo-pooed it because he's Tom Brady. Um, but is he a dirty player? No. After 23 years, I don't think Brady has the reputation of being a I dirty player. I mean, sore loser. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he has the reputation of it and he's got a huge, obviously a, 10, what is it, eight times a body of work that Mac Jones has. And in th- in two pl- two years now, Mac Jones has a reputation of being a dirty player. And the whole tennis prep thing doesn't help him, right? Because that's the AAU generation, the I'm out for my brand, blah, blah, blah. But, it, but what, what I don't get, what I don't get, and you were there last year, Mike, but you go there now – and, and to a man, to a man, they de- not only defend Mac, they talk about his toughness. They talk about, I want to go to war with him. Just out of the clear blue, every single guy. In the locker room the other day, Kendrick Bourne, David Andrews, Matthew Judon, 
Devin McCourty, you name it, offensive, defensive guys say he's our leader. We want him to speak up more, blah, blah, blah. I just, it doesn't wash, you know? If he's the tennis brat who is out for his brand and not a team guy, he wouldn't have the respect of those players and he wouldn't be a captain on this team. So I, I don't know. Does it bother you that um, like a guy makes a tackle or a sack or and, and go strutting and, and, and standing and folding his arms, looking at the crowd when he's losing 22 to nothing? Yes. Does that trap you out of your mind? Yes. It drives me out of my friggin' mind. I, I just drives me crazy. And it happens all the time. But the other day, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if there was a bigger butt kicking in the first half. Uh, I, I haven't seen one in a long, long time than that first half. That 22 to nothing was not indicative of, of how that was a 42 to nothing game at halftime. Um, unbelievable. And then Patriots, you know, are, are losing and they're, they're strutting around like like they, they, they've accomplished something. They've accomplished nothing. Drives me crazy. Anyway, I just have to throw that in there. You know well, what? I would have expected more from the coach. I would have expected more from the head coach to regulate that. That's a great point, Bob. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Belichick has been embarrassing this year, the way he's defended that the team doesn't have more penalties when people bring up what they've done. That they're, they're <laughs> I mean, they're an undisciplined football team. How about his locker? How about the post-game press conference? That was embarrassing the other day, even for his. That one of the all-time worst. You had a great question in there when you uh, talked to Jacoby Myers. You asked him that great question, but Butch uh, gave you high props for that. But I mean, the Belichick press conference was disgusting. It was. Chris Gasper was right in front of me, and he asked him how he felt about something, and Belichick said something to the effect of, "Write what you want. How do you feel?" And Gasper just waited a minute and said. No, I, I want to know how you feel. <laughs> he goes, write what you want. <laughs> you know what? what I'm, you know what? I'm done with Bill Belichick and the whole – it used to be you'd have to listen to find just like a little snippet of what he said week to week. It doesn't do anything for me any longer. Maybe it's the mediocrity, but that poor guy, if he's so miserable in those press conferences every year, every week, which he is, think about what he might be like in the locker room, Right? I mean, think every day, even when chips are down, you got to find somebody who, when it's really bad, you got to lighten the mood. You got to bring the guys together, right? That can't be a fun place to go every day. Well, Mike, you brought this up in the Belichick regard, or you did, Bob, but you said you hated when guys celebrate. To me, what it shows is a lack of awareness, a lack of the game. It's part of the reason, not the only reason, but it's part of the reason that those guys – on their own, did that lateral play at the end of the game. It's a lack of awareness. And the Patriots teams were always known for the complete opposite, knowing the score, knowing the situation, knowing you couldn't afford to go offside and waiting for the other team to pee their pants. Now it's them that's doing it all the time. And you're right, Bob. That is a direct reflection on Bill Belichick. Sorry. Even the coach, right, calling out the coaches the way they had, the coaching staff. I mean, Wes Welker got benched for the first quarter of a playoff game, right? <laughs> for that kind of off-color remark he made about uh, Rex Ryan's wife's tattoo of Mark Sanchez. No, no, the no. Feet, it was about the feet. 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 Oh, the feet. Okay, I'm we're sorry. We're going to put our best foot forward, you know. We're, we're, he put like 10 feet foot cliches in a two-minute answer. Mike remembers it. I can still see it in the edit bed. Yeah. <laughs> 
And yet he doesn't respond, at least publicly, to anything when the, when they're calling him out and his coaching staff out. And the other thing is, it was almost frustrating to watch Kendrick Bourne do so well the other day because he did well, play so well. That was a great question. And uh, an even more bizarre answer when someone asked him about, I'm not sure who it was that asked him that, Butch, you were there. Yeah, uh, I asked him about Kendrick Bourne. I think it was Andrew Callahan, but the question, and then the answer was, I don't know what the answer was. That's the problem. No, the, the answer was um, same, same as he's ever been. Nothing's changed. They asked him what's changed with, you know, they basically, the paraphrase of the question was, why the hell hasn't Bourne done this all year? Why hasn't he had the opportunity? And Belichick's like, well, nothing's changed. It's been the same. His opportunities have been the same. To Bourne's credit, we stood there in front of his locker. That kid handled it with class. He was asked numerous questions about why, this, as we all said, why? How do you feel when you didn't get the opportunity again? You get it now and you show what you can do. He said, I'm just glad that my coaches still believe in me. He gave it to Malcolm Butler best. I, I'm just telling you, I want that kid on my team. That kid and Marcus Jones. I'll start with the two of them on offense and then build from there. Boy, that kid's got some jets, doesn't he, Marcus Jones? Holy mackerel, can he explode? I mean, I I, I, I would think about transitioning him to full-time offense. I mean, yeah. he, I, I, you know, you watched the Dolphins in the first half the other day um, with those two guys, Tyree Hill and uh, Dalen Waddle. I said, oh, my God. I said, you know, I added Bob's line. Why can't we get players like that? And um, they are unbelievable how explosive they are. And we don't have anybody that's explosive on our well, offense. I mean, Mike, let's just think back over the years. You mentioned Tyreek Hill, and obviously he's a unique player with his speed and everything else. But we remember Terry Metcalf and uh, even Dave Meggett. Um, there were all these diminutive guys. Well, Deion Sanders, of course, wasn't small, but that, that were game breakers anytime they were on the field. And Marcus Jones in one season – has shown that he might be that type of guy, right? Yeah. So I'm fully with you. You need to find a way that he needs to get 10 to 15 touches a game. All right, Butch, Mike, Hank. Hi, Bob. Again, the elephant in the room. There's a bigger elephant in the room. Bigger than anything you've talked about until it's right, isn't it right up to Robert Kraft now? Isn't yes, it? Yes, I knew you were gonna say that. We've gone up the chain. We've gone from the, the dirty quarterback to the coach who's lost it, doesn't care, and apparently isn't that interested. And now we've got to go to the owner. Aren't we there now? Have we stopped? Have we knocked on his door now? Lynchy, you said they were two seven and nine seasons away, right? Well, they're seven and eight. Yeah. Um, let's see what happens. If they lose the final two games, it's going to be a very interesting offseason. Um, <clears throat> starting with, uh, I think you brought it up, Bob, that Robert replaces, I mean, um, Jonathan replaces Robert and does the dirty deed himself. Um, but it's, it's, if they lose these final two games when they've got it right in their, you know, in their own hands and uh, the kid's not playing this week for Miami. Is that official yet? Uh, no, it's not Tua. Tua's in yeah. concussion protocol and it's only Tuesday, but Yep. He's, trend, he's trending. The odds are he's not going to play, Mike. Okay. It's his third. And, and you know, 
<clears throat> there was something wrong with him in the second half, right? Oh, I mean, clearly. Some of those interceptions weren't even within 10 yards of his intended receiver. So obviously, you know, he got his bell rung and he just wasn't, he was seeing three, you know, aqua jerseys down the field. It's a, it, it's a, it's a bizarre feeling to have um, when you're, when you're out there like that. And and, and I, I felt bad for him. I said, who's he throwing it to? I said, why is he throwing it there? Look, look, he's just, he's just throwing it to the guys in the white jerseys. So if he plays, um, you know, he'll be tough, uh, but he'll be very guarded. I mean, I, I can't see him playing. Um, so they may sneak by and win this game. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, and then the last game with Buffalo, it doesn't mean anything. They might not, might not play the guys. But the way I see it, they're tied with Kansas City. And Kansas City wins out. They get a win out, right? Yeah, they, we did all the scenarios last night. And, and the odds are that Buffalo is going to have something to play for yeah. last week no matter what. So here's what happens. Yeah. Buffalo plays the Bengals on Monday night. That's right. huge. Because if yeah. the Bengals win, they now have a shot at the number one seed. But let's say the Bills win. Where's that game? City, Where's that game? In Cincinnati. Kansas City on Sunday plays Denver in Kansas City. Ooh. They're not going to lose that game. So Buffalo and Kansas City, assuming they both win, assuming that Buffalo goes into Cincinnati and wins, which is a big assumption. But if that happens, they're both tied for the number one seed. Buffalo has the tiebreaker because they beat Kansas City. So they can't afford to lose to the Patriots if they want the number one seed. So they're not sitting there starters, Mike, in you know, the most embarrassing thing for the Patriots would be lose this week and lose to Buffalo's backups if Buffalo did play their backups. But let me go back to the Bob Kraft thing. Here's something else. I know it was Christmas Eve. I know it was cold. There were as many empty seats, and I know it's sold out. The tickets are sold. Empty seats. There were more empty seats than I've ever seen. But if and this more empty seats than ever. If there's more empty seats this Sunday, this Sunday. With them the chance to win a playoffs, I mean, Robert's got to notice that. Empty well, seats don't buy jerseys and don't drink beer, do they? It's not Christmas Eve and it's going to be warmer, okay? That's one big two things in their favor. Well, it's supposed to rain, but you take it up with Sherry Spear. That's her forecast. Okay, I'd be happy to. <laughs> <laughs> you hit that softball right out of the park, didn't you? Remember hey, the my, my favorite part about the sports page is, is the NFL playoff picture. I, I, I read that every day and look at what teams have, have left, who can da-da-da. <clears throat> but they used to have a scenario thing. It would take half a page and say, if Cincinnati wins and Kansas City and Buffalo lose, then blah-blah-blah. But if, if Kansas City, if Cincinnati tied, you know, it went for on and on and on. So one night I, re I was reading the thing. I said, you know, you could solve the Rubik's Cube faster than you could figure out the playoff scenario. Well, 6.30, I get in the sports office. A guy calls me up and says, you know, my son is home from Worcester State. Right? We live in Newton, and he's a, a, a Rubik's Cube wizard. So I said, have him come in. So I had him come in, and I stood there, and I started going, okay, ready on your mark, get set, go. All right, if Cincinnati wins and Pittsburgh loses and Baltimore ties, then the Patriots sneak in. But if Cincinnati ties, and so I'm going home, boom, he did one. And I go, now, scenario number two, if it, Boom, number two. He did three of them before I even got halfway down. It was tremendous. I, I never saved the tape. I don't know why I didn't, but it was tremendous. Because he did three Rubik's Cubes while I was reading the playoff scenarios just for the AFC. I never got to the NFC. And that's that. And, and that's pretty much what we got today as well. 
Well, you didn't know this, but back then, uh, over at Channel 4, Lobel had the NFC guy doing uh, <laughs> the, the rubies. <laughs> and he just pasted on the stickers one by one, and that's how he got you know his done. No, it's not that clever, which um, thanks for the All right, okay. so I must ask, I must ask at this juncture, because we're brought to you by Our Best Foods and Our Best Meatballs, who is – I'll I'll go just stick to the Patriots game with the loss. Who was the meatball of the week for the New England Patriots? Mine wasn't Patriots, so I'll let you guys go. There. No, but I'm asking if you had to pick one for that oh, Patriots well, I mean, game. Mac Jones. All right, he's your the, the dirty quarterback. <laughs> I'll go with Bill Belichick for just the lack of preparation. Special teams, play calling. Would you have called Ramondre Stevenson up the middle on, with as the game wound down? Sure, guy had fumbled all year. Yeah, I mean the problem. Oh, with- Lord, you know what? When you think about the, the Mac Jones personal foul on that play, that cost them more than you can possibly imagine. If you have to go back and take a look at the field position, where they were, what they had to gain, what they had to lose, what they lost on that penalty, and and how far they had to go. To even get to overtime. Um, come on, Lucy. <laughs> I'll let her out. Come on. Well, if you hit that button, does a nurse come in and bring you lunch? Or wash you even better? Is that the, is that rather, the button for service? I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> so if yours is Mac Jones for the Patriots, and Mike, yours is Bill Belichick, you said? I didn't say no. I did not say. Oh, uh, you did. I'm, I'm not giving a patron a meatball. <clears throat> oh, it's Litchie. You have to. No. You don't want to pick one. Huh? All you right. Well, who ball. is your meatball then? My meatball of the week. I'm still thinking about it. So I'll give you mine. Go I still it. don't understand. And if you want symbolism, the fact that two is involved with this, what the hell, the NFL spotters do. Because yesterday when the story came out, me and my producer went and looked at it. And Mike McDaniel's comment about Tua and concussion protocol was, we're not exactly sure what play it was that had happened. Well, with 2.40 to go in the second quarter, and we slowed it down and spot shattered it, Tua was tackled, went backwards, and his head bounced off the ground as hard as you can imagine. And nobody saw it, including the NFL spotter. And this is the guy who they changed concussion protocols after week four in Cincinnati when he was taken off on a stretcher? What the hell does the NFL spotter do? And why are they getting paid? It's a good meatball, Butch. That is a good meatball. This is an um, – Show one, too, Butch. Butch, show one, too. He didn't go that long. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to give our best foods their bang for their buck, Mike. That's all. Well, I tell you what. Everybody, we can all agree, no matter what we disagree on, we all agree that our best meatballs, they're just the best. I had some Christmas Eve. I was at my daughter's house. We had some lasagna. We had seafood. And we had our best meatballs and some piano dosi rolls. And they were so good. And I had some over the weekend. I know Bob probably celebrated his birthday with a bag of the Italian our best meatballs. Happy, happy birthday, Bob. Happy belated birthday, Bob. Thank you very much. And, you know, as we look ahead to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, just go to ourbestfoods.com. You download the coupon. You walk into your froze, your favorite grocer, frozen food section. You look left. You look right. 
You don't panic like Mac Jones. You're not a deer in the headlights because you just look for the smiling chef. Right there. Right? Pablo Bell. There he is. Wow. Always happy to see you. We'll gladly jump into your shopping cart, mm -hmm. and your family will smile when you get home with oh. our best meatballs. It's Beautiful. that easy. Look at little Bell taking notes. He just checked the box where Stearns made a good point in 2022. I did. You did. He just came in under the wire, Butch. Three days By ago. By the way, I've got, a, I've got a shout out today, Bob. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> I thought I heard you, Hank, but I'm ignoring you. Yes. That's days. the other box he just checked. Yep. <laughs> That's the that that wait, box wait. is in concrete, but you got to hear my shout out. What? Joan McNeil Bird who's oh, probably yeah. our, our best listener from Winchester, used to our work for Bob Kraft, pro tennis listener. and really a great lady. And she just wasn't feeling well recently, but she still weighed in. And I, I want to wish her a speedy recovery. Happy New Year. Really just a terrific lady. So The best. We love you, Joan. She's the best. She's dated. Well. She, said, she says, I'm taking it day by day. She's like Belichick, day by day. Who is your uh, meatball, Robert? Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, it was Mac Jones. Oh, okay. Um, you know, mine is, um, and I saw this, I've seen this commercial throughout the month of December for T-Mobile when the guy sticks his tongue on a, on a, on a cold pipe. He brought this up last week. He did bring it up really last week. Well, it was crazy. It's supposed to really be but, you know, it, Now he kept going. I'm wondering how many poor kids out there stuck their tongue on a frozen pipe and have to have their tongue pried off or cut cut off from a that's a terrible that's a terrible talk I know but, but they, we, they used to do it when we were kids we were ice skating but you know that and hey. mayhem mayhem is is, is, is pretend he's that's a mouse another one you brought up last week this is really what is you got for those who want something watching and not listening there's a little I, I shot on the screen I think it's irresponsible to, to run a commercial like that <clears throat> that's all, you know. No, hey, Frank hey, Frank DeFord, can you put the notebook down? <laughs> Sorry, I had one note on there that I wanted to get to. Oh, all right. Go ahead. What was it? For sale. Okay. Trade him. No. No? No. <laughs> Too valuable? No, he's not valuable because he doesn't no, play. No, he doesn't play. What, what are you going to get for a guy who barely has pitched in two years He's owed $55 million, 27.5 for two years, guaranteed. You get a club option, which is the only good thing, because if Sale does turn out to be the pitcher and you trade him to the San Diego Padres and he ends up being your ace, you can now bring him back on a third year. It's your option. And if you're a big-money team, I would take the risk to do it if I'm a big-money team. But what are they going to give you? What are the Red Sox going to get for Chris Sale? Maybe money. Isn't that what they want? Financial flexibility, maybe? Look, Bush, what do they want more than anything else? Money. What do they want? They want a cheap team. Or they want to make more money. Cheap team. Send them to the New York Mets. They'll pay them. Now, here's an interesting one. You know what? Why would you want to keep a guy that gives you nine starts in three years? I get it. I don't know. If he's healthy, I still think he could be a good pitcher. You know, it was an no interesting question, story. Bush, no question. That's my sales pitch to San Diego. Boy, <laughs> this, guy, this guy could really light it up for you. 
Well, they need starting pitching. And, uh, you know, there's a couple free agents out there. I don't know if they could fit in Boston, Nate Evaldi and Michael Walker. I don't know if they could handle the pressure of it. Nobody else is signing them. You could probably get them cheaper now, but <laughs> you don't need those guys. No. Anybody else follow it. the um, Carlos Correa story, which is pretty not an odd oh, story. Please, if they sign him, that's it. I'm done. Especially for Scott Boris, right? He's got the bad ankle. They're coming back. So he, he agrees to a 13-year, $350 million deal with the Giants. And then they have questions after his uh, his physical. So then he goes to the Mets. And they agree to 12 years, 315. And all of a sudden it comes down to, oh, they have a question about his uh, his his bad ankle. And it's it's odd in that it's a Scott Boris client, right? Because he always gets top dollar for everybody. Seems to me that he doesn't leave any stone unturned. It's just an odd situation. Well, two things in my opinion about it. Number one, if you look close at the physical and the details, at least stories I read, it's from his surgery that was in 2014. So what the Giants and Mets have been quibbling about is an MRI on his ankle that was surgically repaired eight years ago. So on one hand, you're like, come on, it was eight years ago. But on the other hand, if you're the Mets, you're spending $350 million over 12 years. Aren't you kicking every tire? Right? So that's my number one thing on Correa. The other thing on Correa is this is just Steve Cohen being a good businessman. This contract is going to be brought down to – Less years and less guaranteed money. And they're going to get the guy they want for less because they have all the leverage right now. Steve Cohen's being George Steinbrenner. That's what he is. So those of you who aren't old enough to remember, Steinbrenner spent money, outspent everybody, and outbid everybody. And he was the highest bidder. And he always got the best. The best players said no to New York first before they went someplace else. That's what they did. And they got everybody. And that's what, they, what the Mets are doing. The funny thing is going to be is watch, watch them stumble and watch a team like Atlanta or Philadelphia uh, beat them out for first place uh, in the uh, National League East. That'll be the fun thing to watch next year. Oh, that division is unbelievable right yeah. now. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yes, yes, go ahead, Bob. Who's the best coach in the National Football League? Um, you'd be hard-pressed to look past Andy Reid. Um, he's good pretty one. good. He's pretty good uh, for my money. Um, you know, Sean uh, McDermott became a good coach when Josh Allen became a good player. Um, I don't know if we were talking about him the, as, 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 a, as a great coach until um, Josh Allen started playing like an MVP like like player. Um, I don't think the Philadelphia coach is the I, I think Andy Reid because it delivers consistent quality in winners every single year. Plus, he draws really good cartoons on the face of his players. Yeah, what's <laughs> that right here? Great and ad. You seem far, far away. The, the, the I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Let me get to the bottom of this. Great. <laughs> now, Sean McVay has his, his, his coaching pedigree plummeted Who? after a Super Bowl. Sean McVay. Oh, yeah. He's talking about, talking about retiring. What is he, 35 years old? Retire? Are you kidding me? Retire? By the way, what, what's, what, these guys what's the are, These guys are a different generation. They don't want to be the winningest coach in the history of the National Football League. They don't want to be Paul Brown, George Hallis, or any of these other guys, Don Shula. It's a different – it's a – Have you seen his fiancé? Have you seen his fiance? I believe him when he says, I want to spend more time at home. 
I think no, he, he got, really he, does. He got married in the offseason, I think. She's from she's from Ukraine. Oh, is she? Okay, maybe get married. Yeah. She's not the fiance anymore. Yeah. I don't know what uh, happened to Butch. Apparently, Lucy, hopefully Lucy, you know, yeah, didn't drag him outside into the... He'll be back. I think we offended him. I want to talk about who of those coaches would you take across Butch. country? Sorry, Butch, guys. Butch, who of, of the coaches we've talked about, if you're going to drive cross country in a Cold Springs RV, whether you were you were towing with a fifth wheel or a tent trailer and or you're in a, a 45-foot luxury motorhome with two pop-outs and two different heating zones, who would you take with you to drive cross country? Well, since I was out and didn't hear the names, I heard some of them in the beginning. I'm just going to pick the coach I'd want with me over everybody, and that's Bill Parcells. Okay, but so if he wasn't part of it, then I'll have to go to the current coaches, and I guess it would be Andy Reid, although Mike Ra Mike Vrabel is a very interesting guy. I played a couple rounds of golf with him, and I would love to spend more time with Vrabel. Hmm. Bob? I'm listening. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm listening. Hmm. 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 I'd take Parcells. He'd be oh. the most fun. How can you not take Parcells? The guy's got the best stories ever. He he was yeah he was the the most entertaining coach we ever had here. He was I mean he changed the whole landscape. We you know we in those days you get out on Wednesday, you get enough sound to carry you through the rest of the week. When Parcells came, you had to go every day that he was available. Right. That was Monday, Wednesday. Sometimes Thursday, definitely Friday. Yeah, well, he changed and, the whole – you said, Mike, he just changed the whole culture here. Absolutely. And why isn't he in the Patriots Hall of Fame? Oh, don't go there. I can give you the answer. It's a legitimate answer. I know what the answer is, and it's a what legitimate is answer because the system screwed up. No, it is not. Yes, it is. No, it is not. Well, yes, and how can – Bottom you know, line Parcells, is – How can you have a guy like Parcells and Vinatieri and not be in the Patriots Pro, Pro Football Hall of Fame? Okay, so Vinatieri isn't eligible yet. It's four years after you retire. I think he's eligible this coming. Is it five? No, no. So the Pro Football Hall of Fame is five, and our committee, okay. Mike, is four. They did okay. that on purpose because they want a guy to go into the Patriots Hall of Fame before he goes well, to our committee. Our okay. committee, Mike. What does that mean? Mike is on this committee. It's <laughs> Our committee, Mike. Mike. What does that mean? <laughs> There's a committee called the Patriots Hall of Fame nomination, not election, nomination committee. Our job, we get in a room. We throw stuff against the wall and we stick and we vote and we vote on five finalists to be nominated. They take the top three and Who's they get Hold on. Let me finish with those rules. Let me finish with it, with it. So you understand. So we vote and we present three finalists every year to the fans. Guess how many times Parcells has come out of that room as one of the three finalists? Five. Guess uh -huh. how many times he's finished third out of the three? Five with the uh -huh. fans. The fans do not forgive the way he left and the whole scam in 97. Sorry. Then it's up to know. Bill Bill. I, I mean, Robert I'm Kraft. Be, to you in. sound like I want 11,780 votes. I'm you know, just you telling you the like fans. And Raffensburger. I'm the just fans, saying. The who fans counts hold, the votes? The fans hold a grudge. Oh, who counts them? They're on the Patriots website. I mean, they do it for three months, I believe, right, Mike? We we nominate them in like April our or May. Our committee, Mike. Our committee. What does our committee look like, Mike? 
You know what would be a great trip across country? What do we have coming up this year, Mike? Come on. <laughs> that committee is everybody you know, not the younger guys, but you're talking Ron Hobson still comes back for that. Well, committee, Mike. I think Parcells will be coming there, up. There, 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 is a, there is a faction on that committee, nominating committee, that works for the Patriots. That to a man is Who the makes the rules? Who made the rules? I believe Robert Kraft did. Yeah, the Krafts did. And they do a great job with it, Bob. They really do. I don't so when people say they, they do do a great job with it. I agree. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is this: you are correct. When people say Bill Parcells should be in the Patriots Hall of Fame, the answer is yes. But when you look deeper into it, the reason he's not is that the fans still hold a grudge. So blame the fans. Well, I'm sorry. Can't Robert Kraft say, you know what? This is my organization. I'm deciding that Bill Parcells is going to put the jacket on. I, you know, can do that you I would too. When are we meeting, Mike? When's our next meeting? <laughs> so well, I think Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick. Oh, I'm having a good time with this show oh, today. When's our next meeting, Mike? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go back to where you started with this. Parcells. Parcells Belichick, will <laughs> Belichick get into our Hall of Fame, Mike? What do you think? Will Chuck Fairbanks ever get in? Goodbye, Chucky. Right, Mike, right. you've been in these meetings. You know the arguments we've had. Oh. I believe, and I bring it up every year, there should be a separate category for coaches. What are you going to do when Dante Scarnecchi is up against Tom Brady? I mean, he's not well, getting, in. He's you not know? getting so, in. You know, fix the system. Make it more equitable for everybody. It's not hey, Jonathan, not should I give in Bob. and have Bill Barcells? And I'll do Patriots Hall of Fame. It's not a bad Robert Kraft there. You know, I would like to um, drive across country with Parcells, Belichick, and Kraft. And the only way to do it first class would be to go up to Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire, because they've got all the 2023 RVs on the lot. They've got more than anybody. But they've also got some leftover 2022, so you can get a great deal. Robert Kraft loves a great deal. He loves to save some money. So all you need to do is you can drive up to Ware, New Hampshire, or you can go on their website, coldspringsrv.com, because they have the greatest selection, the greatest service. If you want to drive up there, they'll let you test everything. You can lay down on the beds. You can go into the bathrooms on all of these models, whether it's a tent trailer, a toy hauler, one of these 40-foot luxury motorhomes, a fifth wheel. The place to do it, Cold Springs RV in Ware, New Hampshire, coldspringsrv.com. Where exactly? W-E-A-R-E, New Hampshire. So, Hank, you want Kraft, Parcells, and Belichick in the same RV? I do. Well, there's a lot of space. You know what I mean? You yeah, can space so I them think, out. I think you're better off just driving by yourself or having somebody else drive and putting the two bills, because you'll get everything you need from that documentary, the two bills, on the TV while you're driving, and you can stream it. Because if you add craft into that equation, I'm not sure, unless they have truth serum, Bill Parcells certainly holds a grudge against Kraft, I would imagine. And, I mean, Mike, you've painted a picture that the Kraft-Belichick relationship isn't exactly, you know, friendly. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. Chilly. Chilly. So, again, unless they're all willing to, to bear their souls and talk about how they – the true honesty – I'm not sure that's going to be a great conversation. 
I'm going to go with Brady and, and uh, Belichick. Um, and they can sit in the back seat and they can go. I'll just look in the rearview mirror every once in a while to make sure that there was any physical harm done to anybody and listen to the two of them talk. Can we set That's up a little? Good. Can we set up a little GoPro camera so we can have? Yeah, them? yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Yep. Yeah. 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 We could have we could have the meatballs ready for them to eat at their at their whim. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably drive in a uh, Toyota Rav Four. Uh, oh, there you go. Get it from George Gray. And, Maybe uh, you could put it on the back of the RV. You could tow it with you in case <clears> one of them wants to get out at any time. Yeah, because Lobi, it's we taking the Lobi Cruiser. Well, I mean, that's the, like the chariot of all RVs, the Lobi Cruiser. Yeah. That so, goes without saying. But, yes, but here's a guy. He would be. He could have the whole Patriot Hall of Fame committee meeting inside. <laughs> yeah, we could stop at the North. Weren't you ever on that committee, Bob? Oh, no. you know why? They take one person per station and Steve Burton. Yeah, I, I know. No, I know why. Okay. Who is the one person per station? Steve Burton's been on it. Ever since I know, who has ever been on from our station? Steve? Steve's always been on it. Oh, right. Why shouldn't he be? You were golfing in the afternoon in, in April or May. You didn't want to be on that committee. Uh, well, that may be true, but it's all right. It's okay. I did enjoy the work that Steve Burton, the interview he did with you, Bob. He did a good job. Yeah, that was very good, Bob. That was, uh, he did a good job. Then so did, so did Joe Giza. Producer. My man, we did where, a great job, but you were great too, Bob. And by the way, hi, Bob. A shout okay. out to Steve Burton. His son Austin is starting, and if you've ever followed the, the kid's career, he's bounced around from college to college, and he gets a chance to start in the Citrus Bowl for Purdue, who and he's been chomping at the bit for four weeks under the tutelage of Drew Brees, and he's going to play against LSU in the Citrus Bowl. And Steve and Ginny Burton's son is going to get it, who's a phenomenal athlete in high school um, and knows what he's doing. I wish the kid a ton of luck. That's next, uh, January 2nd. What day is that? Monday. It's so, in Purdue, uh, Indiana. And if you'd like to drive out and get some uh, good gas mileage, you might want to go up and see George Gray at Lexington Toyota. Get a nice Prius, right? You probably only use, what, three or four gallons of gas to get out to Indiana. You know what? I gotta say goodbye because I got. I'm expecting a doctor's call. Well, why don't you wait till the doctor calls and then? We, we, <laughs> That's we, a good we, point. We can you say hi. To the Let me thank you from Harvard. <laughs> we can say hi to the doctor. Oh, I'm just lunching that uh, hit against the Bengals. Eli Apple just nailed them. You know, Purdue was that time, Bob. Ask your doctor if he needs a new Toyota. Maybe the Highlander, maybe maybe the Forerunner. No, I don't want to. The only reason I'm not going to wait is because I want to be ready. If I was wait, that would delay the the action. Okay, you don't think the doctor would like to be on the podcast? Uh, honestly, I'm sure she'd love it. Yeah, might it might might help you know help her practice, help her career. Yeah, you know. She's doing a lot for you. Maybe you could be this, this way. You could do a lot for her. That's Purdue, really nice. Purdue has had three Super, Super Bowl quarterback winning quarterbacks. Can you name them? Uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Bob Greasy. Bob Greasy. And uh, oh, uh, 
I can't remember. Give it to us, Mike. I can't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> it's George uh, Gray would know, and that's the reason to drive up and see him at 409 Mass Ave in Lexington. Ask him anything. As you know, he's got great cars. He's got great service. He's got great pricing. And he's got really great knowledge about a lot of different things. George Gray's Lexington Toyota, LexingtonToyota.com. Okay, I love you guys. I got to go because I got to get set up for this phone call. All right, man. It's been a fun show. Let me know when the next committee meeting is. You're all set for it. You're in. You're coming. You're in. We're going to drive the Lobby Cruiser right down to Foxborough. Happy New Year. We'll see you next weekend, right? New Year's resolutions. Sounds good. All right. So Bob doesn't want to have to press the panic button, but when he gets together with that female doctor of his, I think that explains a lot. He's probably got to go freshen up and comb his hair and. The uh, I just looked this up. The Citrus Bowl starts at one o'clock on Monday, okay. and the Winter Classic between the Bruins and um, Penguins starts at two o'clock. Yeah. So, Who's the home team in that game? The Penguins or the Bruins? Ask John Henry. Right. Who's the root for? <laughs> Penguins, right? What, what if they get what if they get the 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 home dugout, home locker room, the home training equipment? <laughs> and the Bruins have to go in the third base dugout. Yeah. Well, they wear the same colors, yellow, black, and gold, right? Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah, but they got special uniforms for the day. Have you seen them? They're pretty cool. Who's the, who's the uh, third uh, Purdue quarterback? Um, I'm looking it up right now. It's uh, Drew Brees. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna be upset about this. I'll just give you a hint. It's one of the it's one of the AFC's greatest players ever. It's one of the greatest guys ever, and one of the original Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Dan Fouts. No, think of Gino Capaletti. Think of Joe oh. Namath. Think of the AFL. I'll give you a hint. Think of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, Lenny Dawson. Lenny Dawson. Lenny Dawson. Yeah. 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 I knew that. You know, in Alabama, got to hit three of them too, and there were Joe Namath. Yeah. Uh, Alabama. Justin Fields, Mac Jones. <laughs> Bart Starr. Bart Starr was an Alabama quarterback. Kenny Stabler. Kenny Stabler was an Alabama wow. quarterback. Yeah. 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 Bart Starr and I have the same birthday. Nice. May Which 7th. is? May 7th. Nice. You know, when you're a kid, you're growing up, you find out who the other, you know, the athletes are that have your birthday. Yeah. Mine's January 25th. I don't have any athletes. Come on. Who's I don't... January 25th? Uh, I forget. There's a – is it Alicia Keys? There's a female. Oh. I'd like her to sing happy Something birthday like to me. <laughs> Pudge Fisk, 75 years old yesterday. Andre Tippett, yeah. his birthday today. I saw that. I'm really making me feel old. 75. That's unbelievable. Fisk? Unbelievable. Yep. Pudge yeah, Fisk. I remember you you probably had these moments, you and Bob, plenty of times. But I remember in 2004, no, 2009, I was 49, and the Red Sox had just won their – or coming off winning Terry Francona won his second World Series. And I remember the moments I'd go in a locker room, and I was – there was always a player in a locker room or clubhouse that was older than me. And then that stopped. Then I was the oldest guy walking in the clubhouse. And then I was sitting next to Francona in the dugout one day, and it was my birthday. And I said to him, 
It was it spring? It was his birthday. He said, "How old are you?" And he said, 48. And I said, oh. He goes, what's the matter? I said, I'm older than the Red Sox manager. He goes, taps me on the knee. He goes, I'll give you a moment. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> it was a moment, though. I was like, holy, man, now I'm old. I'm older than the Red Sox manager. <laughs> All right, guys, I do have, I have an invitation for the two of you. And uh, Lynchy, this you live a little bit closer than Butchie. On uh, on January first at about ten a.m., I'll be up at the Mystic Lake doing our, our polar plunge. Oh, if you'd like to join us, yeah, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna pass on that one, Hank. Uh, All right, I'm gonna be in uh, in Maine at my sister in law's in Brownfield, Maine. Well, getting ready to watch the Patriots game. You wouldn't be able to do the polar plunge because the ice would be frozen. I do. I do Maine. have several emt friends if you'd like me to send them in my stead i am a proud l street brownie i did it 10 consecutive years wow and um i did retire after seven or eight years <laughs> but now i won't be going to south boston this year i'll be going to the mystic lake in medford because my grandson is five and he's doing it with me oh that's awesome my daughter said you nice. have to wait until he's five because she was five when she did her first l street oh wow yeah nice i did the uh um p freight I, I didn't do it i drove up we were just out of the blue, and my daughter said, let's go to the Pete Freitas thing, and she didn't have anything to wear. In the trunk of my car, you know, there's 9,000 golf outfits and sweatshirts and hoodies, and we found a sweatshirt for her and a, a pair of shorts, and so she went and she dove in. She said it was awesome. Oh, my God, it's invigorating. It's so good. Yeah. So, so good. you got to do it yeah. at least once. I'm going to do Swampscott has one every year. Right? Maybe I'll drive up and do it in Swampscott for the big blue. All right. A lot of things turn blue that day, I'm sure. Hey guys, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. We'll Hope see you had a great well. holiday. Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah. Yep. Happy new year. It's been a, you know what? 2023 is going to be our year. You got All it. Right. See you guys. All right, guys. Peace, guys. Peace. Thanks. Unacred Boston is a presentation of Unacred Media a Burke Advertising LLC company. For show information, visit unacredboston.com.